Hello, everyone. It is Ryan here, host of the Pursuit of Happiness podcast. Now, this is a podcast where I get to have conversations with some amazing people from all over the world who have stories to share, experiences we can learn from, and knowledge in areas that we can use and apply to our lives to make us better and happier people. Now, each episode has a different topic, but all geared towards helping us along our own pursuit of happiness and helping us understand this journey we call life just a little better. We'll touch on everything from mental health to nutrition, diet, fitness, travel, adventure, relationships, and believe me, much, much more. All along this journey, I'll experiment and apply some of the advice and information from my conversations to see how it affects me along my own pursuit of happiness, and then report back to you. Now, don't forget, if you enjoy this episode or any other episode, please take a moment, subscribe, leave me a rating and a review. It is truly, truly appreciated while also helping get these great conversations to even more listeners. With that said, welcome to episode number 51, where I get to welcome back Erica Thomas. Yes, I said welcome back because she was an amazing guest on episode number 27 when she talked about her incredible body transformation using intermittent fasting. Now that episode was recorded about six months into her doing fasting and she wanted to come back on exactly one year after she really started intermittent fasting. And I was more than happy to have her back on to discuss this. Now, in our first episode, Erica mentioned how she started a Facebook group that just took off called Erica's Essential Encouragement. Since then, I have joined and I see that she gets plenty of questions on fasting all the time. So I said, Erica, while you're coming back on, let's talk about the most frequently asked questions you get all the time. So Erica did a great job of coming up with the seven most asked questions she gets about intermittent fasting to help all of her followers in her Facebook group, but also to help you, the listeners. We wanted this podcast conversation to be a go-to stop for all of your intermittent fasting questions and needs, and we accomplished just that. I am super excited for you to hear this update and conversation with Erica Thomas. So without further ado, let's go. Erica Thomas, welcome back to the show. How the hell have you been? I've been great. I can't believe it's been six months since we last chatted. Six months. Uh, everything is feels so different, but yet the same in so yeah. many ways too. We're still stuck in this damn pandemic, but right. uh, yeah. I was things would be different by now, but I guess not. I guess not, right? Yeah. I mean, kind of worse in a way too, which is, yeah. uh, which is terrible, but uh, definitely glad to have you back on. And I must say that you have quite the following, Erica. <laughs> I think you know this. And I try not to get caught up in any of my analytics or anything like that. It doesn't affect what I do or how I do things. But let's just say your episode uh, shot off like a rocket when I posted really? that. And it's still doing very well. You have quite the following, but at the same time, it was such an awesome episode. So for anybody who hasn't listened to that, please go back and listen to, I believe it was episode 27. Don't quote me on that, but uh, (laughs) yeah, there you go. And so 
loaded and loaded with information about intermittent fasting and your story and how you overcame your eating habits and became so much healthier. Um, such an awesome episode. And I'm glad that took off. And, you know, since we did that, you have more updates and, yeah. and I'm excited to get there. And I joined your Facebook group. Um, go ahead and can you pub that real quick for the listeners, what your Facebook sure. group is? Yep. It's just called Erica's Essential Encouragement. And it's easy to find on Facebook. You'll see a banner or like a cover photo that includes my before and after and then lots of other people in the group who found success with intermittent fasting and just with weight loss in whatever capacity they've done it. And so we have some before and afters up there of other people who have seen success too, which is exciting to it's, it's awesome progress and cheer them on too. Yeah. And it's, it's Erica with a K just in case you're driving yes. and you can't look Erica with a K <laughs> and I will say you have thousands and thousands of followers. It is a very active group. You all support each other. You all ask questions and answer everything for each other. I think it's, it's amazing. I hop in occasionally. We'll just give some answers from at least what's worked for me and my experience. But uh, I would say the main gist of this episode is to squash all those questions in one session so people can come and listen to this. If they have any of those questions, we're going to take care of all of that for them. Cause I, I see constantly people ask questions and I know you see it, you chip in, you help answer. So we're hoping to direct them to one place this episode to get basically all their answers. If the other one never didn't cover that either. So, yeah, oof. I love that. And I will say, I mean, I think to be clear, the group is not only for people doing intermittent fasting. There's more than 10,000 of us in there and it was not started as an intermittent fasting group, quote unquote. Um, so there are people in there who are all following their own paths. So really the crux of the group is the encouragement, the support, the positivity. And then for those who have seen my success with intermittent fasting and have questions, that's, you know, lent a lot of those people to come to the group. And so there are a lot of people in the group who do intermittent fasting, but it's definitely not a requirement to be there. It's mostly for the support, the encouragement, the positivity, and the motivation. And when we did this back in March, um, you think you had like 7,000 or maybe not even 7,000. Now you just yeah. said 10,000. It is, yeah, it is growing. 10,500, which is incredible. And obviously, you know, um, with my profession, the group started a couple of years ago. I mentioned this in our first episode, just for me to have a place to have this kind of positive motivational space on the internet. And it's really grown from there. And, you know, while many of us in the group started as strangers, because people who were joining the group were joining just because they saw me on TV doing my job. We have really, truly, you know, gotten to know each other and become friends and have this interaction in this space where we can all share our lives, share what works for us, um, times that are, we're struggling and really bring it together, which is incredible. And honestly, for me, from the moment we spoke six months ago to now, I have maintained my weight, which is exciting, but it's also a different part of the weight loss process than I've mm -hmm. ever been in before. And that also plays with your mind. And so for me, this group has been a great space to keep up and keep motivated, even while, you know, the success of seeing the scale go down has stopped for me. It's hard. Um, yeah. I'm kind of where you are now. Not that, you know, I, I didn't lose like a miraculous amount of weight or whatever, but I lost, I lost, we'll say it's like the freshman 15 of the coronavirus, you yeah. know, if, if you will. Um, I, I've lost that. I've shed that. 
it's uh it's a different mindset it's it to me it's almost easier to push yourself to lose weight you know what you got to do you at the end of the day you really do know what you have to do to lose weight but to maintain weight is difficult because you will go up and then you'll go down up and down and it's it is very hard um i'm also trying daily motivators right of like seeing the scale drop or whatever your progress points are and the way that you track your success those kind of start to wane off and then you have to keep the motivation and keep the habits going. Right. Yeah. yeah, That's a, that's a difficult thing because you do start to find excuses or reasons to maybe cheat a little more. And like, I've, I've earned this, you know, I've got to where I want now I can have this. And then that's, if you let that get out of control, that's where you kind of see the scale start to go upwards. And you have to start this all over again. It it is very difficult. Like I said, your group has just taken off. And I think it's amazing you all support each other. So for anybody who is dealing with, you know, weight issues or perhaps even like confident issues and they need help or need answers to their questions, join this group. I can't recommend it enough. I think it is truly wonderful because the internet can be honestly a nasty place. It's a place where people can, you know, say some pretty mean things and, you know, really hurt some people's self-esteem or, you know, body shame people. And this group is the exact opposite. It's, the epitome of what good can come from the internet and social media. So I highly recommend it. I think it's awesome. You all support each other. And as busy as you are, you're still very active on it too, which I think is wonderful. Uh, you know, you're not, you didn't just start it and leave it. You're very active. No, with it. Well, I'm the only person I'm the creator of it. I'm also the only administrator and moderator and I have it set up where hosts have to be approved so that things can't just randomly pop in there and, you know, wreak havoc without me knowing what's going on. So I have to be active because those posts come through and I have to read them before they go into the group. So um, that's something that kind of was like a gatekeeping moment for me. As I say, if this is space that I'm creating and curating, that's going to be a safe space. It can't just be, you know, kind of open doors. I want to be able to see the the mm-hmm. posts that come through from people before, before they go into the group space. So. Yeah, no, that's great. And I'm wondering, uh, being on the news and on TV constantly, have you ever done a news story on any of this? No, no. <laughs> um, with, with the news, our job is to tell other people's stories. And so, you know, I don't want to make myself the center of a news story. Obviously what happens on social media and in that realm is mm-hmm. kind of a different space than what we're putting on television. So mm-hmm. no, yeah, it hasn't ever been addressed on TV and, and I'm okay with that. You know, I think the nice part about social media is that we have kind of a two-way conversation, right? Anything that we do on television is obviously in a much more limited time space and it's harder to have a two-way conversation about it. But on social media, you get that space and that time to interact and ask questions and I think that's where this conversation is, is meant to be for now. And I think that's really good. Okay, great. Yeah. And, and uh, we are recording this uh, late morning on a Saturday yeah. and I am drinking my black coffee good for you. black <laughs> because I am I'm fasting sparkling water. <laughs> there we go. And guess what? I also have sparkling water right here as well. Nice. So we have a lot to catch up on this episode. And yeah, the reason I mentioned black coffee is I do know that you get a lot of questions on like what you can and cannot drink. We'll get to that momentarily, but uh, you don't drink coffee, right? From, from what I recollect. Yeah, personally, I don't, it's just never been something that I enjoyed the taste of. And 
I mean, obviously, if I could have all the creams and sugars in there, maybe right, I would. But right. Just plain black coffee, I never really enjoyed. It smells great. I just don't like the taste of it. It does. Yeah. So I do drink black coffee in the morning, just about every morning, usually about two cups. For, for people who are listening, I'm sure they have a lot of questions about coffee. Um, I would say there's a lot of research that kind of goes both ways as far as like allowing coffee during your fasting window. Um, for the most part, I've seen that black coffee is fine. I also put a little dab of cinnamon in mine just to give it a little bit of flavor and cinnamon's also good for you too. Um, so yeah, I wait, I hold off on the almond milks or oat milks or creams and sugars or whatever until my fasting window is over, unless I'm splurging or on vacation or whatever it is, what it is. But, uh, yeah, black coffee. And I can honestly say me personally and, and my success, I have had success with intermittent fasting while having black coffee in my fasting window. So I can say this worked for me. Um, obviously everybody's different, but I can attest that doing black coffee in the window has been fine for me. Yeah. Um, and I will say too, for me, because my, my husband, um, does intermittent fasting and he loves his coffee. So he drinks black coffee in the morning as well. And he's seen success with it. I don't personally choose to drink it just because I don't like the taste of it, mm -hmm. but to be clear, everything that we're talking about today. I'm no doctor, obviously you're not a doctor and right. I'm not trying to claim any sort of, you know, medical knowledge in any sort of way. It's just what I've personally experienced um, and what I've learned through my own kind of research and experiences. So exactly you know, understand because intermittent fasting is so flexible and it's so different for every single person. So like what works for me may not work for you and vice versa. So I try to keep that in mind, even in the groups when I'm chatting and like offering up my advice based on my personal experience. And then someone says, but X, Y, and Z, well, gosh, I didn't even think of that, you know? Yeah. And, um, the thing that I know we talked about before about fasting that we like is you can hop back on and off at any time. Like I just took a big trip, um, for a week and there was about a zero chance that I was going <laughs> to fast with that just for being so active. And also like, you know, needed to be somewhere at 9am, which means I needed to eat something at seven because I had no chance to eat anything until like one o'clock. And, right. you know, so for people who are listening to this or like, I need to go on vacation, but I also need to fat. You, know, you don't necessarily need to, it's okay to take a few days off, you know, have your brunch or big breakfast while you're on your trip. If that's all the time you have to fuel up, take it. And when you get back home, you can start the fasting window. Well, again. and ultimately we're all always fasting anyway, because unless you're eating in your sleep, you're fasting. Yeah. So just because you have a longer window on vacation or for whatever given reason, I mean, you're still getting the benefits of fasting just in a shorter, a shorter fasting window that day. Right. And, uh, you know, I have a tendency to take very active trips too. And, uh, was that Alaska that you went to? It was Alaska. Yeah, I can't wait to hear about it. That's another podcast though. But. <laughs> Freaking crazy. Yeah, no, it's, it's amazing. I know, um, my girlfriend and I are going to do a podcast about our trip every single day, what nice. we did, what we liked, didn't like. Um, but yeah, I have a tendency to take very active trips. So, when I, when I can fuel up, I kind of need to take advantage of that because if I'm not like hiking all day and, and whatnot, then, you know, I'm, I'm kind of screwed with, with what I can eat and how much I can eat. So, um, I will say that one thing I think is very important to kind of reiterate to all the listeners is honestly with fasting, keep it simple. It is really simple. I noticed that a lot of people in your group try to find loopholes with things that they can drink 
and or possibly even eat? And the answer almost is always no, you cannot do that. It is fasting. That's what fasting is. The, The loophole to me is black coffee or sparkling water. That's like my loophole. I, you can't push it. If once you start adding, once you look back at the ingredients, like, and you start seeing like all these different ingredients, that's when you know when to stop. If it's just not like pure water or pure, like black coffee, stop. That's it. You can't. I mean, I can say, usually you can tell if someone is pretty new to intermittent fasting, because that's the question that they're asking. And Mm -hmm. it's a big question. But once you kind of get over that hump of like understanding what you can and cannot consume during the fast, you know, you've probably been doing it for a little while, but yeah, Mm -hmm. I, I see that question all the time. Like, what can I eat? What can I drink? What can I even chew on? Right. Can you have gum during the fast? Um, Personally for me, I subscribe to the notion of a clean fast, which is very, very simple. It's either water, sparkling water, water Mm -hmm. with bubbles or black coffee, unsweet tea. And that's it. And even Mm -hmm. in the tea realm, it needs to be just like a black or a green tea, not like a unflavored or a unsweet peach tea or an apple cinnamon tea, just plain black tea, plain black coffee, water, sparkling water, um, that it's meant to be boring, right? You get, you get all your flavors and all the excitement that comes with consuming food and beverages in your eating window, but during the fast, you want it to be boring. And for me personally, I have found that understanding kind of the science behind why that's important really helps me understand it. And of commit to it and say, okay, that's okay. You know, I've got my window right now these days is uh, typically four hours. So I have four hours a day where I get to enjoy my food, enjoy my flavors, but for the other 20, it's okay to, for me, just drink water or just drink sparkling water. And that's honestly one of the reasons I really like carbonated water is because it just gives me a little bit more of like a texture difference. And Mm. I like the bubbles. Um, but I typically will do flat water when I'm exercising and then sparkling water the rest of the day. Well, there you go. And you just said understanding the science. So if you want to just take a moment one more time to explain the science of intermittent fasting, that'd be great. Sure. And I mean, this is, again, just my kind of layman's understanding of it based on my kind of research and personal experience. But essentially, you want to keep your body from releasing insulin during the fast because insulin is this storage hormone. It's needed um, when we're eating. And so you don't want your insulin levels to be spiking when you're trying to fast because then your body's ability to burn fat as its fuel uh, gets turned off because your body goes into this storage mode and it's wanting to hold on to energy instead of burn energy. And what we want to be doing in the fast is being in a fat burning mode. And so you've got to allow yourself to be that way and not have your insulin spiking because your body thinks that food is coming from these flavors, these sweeteners, these creamers, these, you know, no calorie, um, you know, additives that you may stick in there. So just because something has no calories doesn't mean that it has no flavor, obviously. And the flavor is what matters here, as opposed to the caloric value of something. Mm-hmm. is my understanding of it. And I've noticed that for myself. I mean, when I have something, I mean, I, I have never not had a clean fast, but if I am at the beginning of my eating window and I eat something or I drink something that is not plain water, I can feel that you almost get that like, oh my gosh, I'm starving now feeling. And that's when you know that something may not work for you during a clean fast is when your body kind of flips that switch and it is like screaming at you like, you have to feed me now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's a good signal, right? And that's something that I've also learned throughout this whole process. And we'll talk about more later is just 
the ability to listen to your body for me for years and years and years, that, that signal has been shut off. And the biggest thing I've learned through intermittent fasting is to like open that back up and be able to hear my physical cues and not be looking at all these external sources for when do I eat? When do I not? What do I consume to listen what's going on inside? And that's made a big difference for me too, but that's, that's later down the road. Yeah. And I'm a, I'm a super big visual person and I just kind of visualize like, so the the science behind fasting too is everything I've read is about after 12 to 13 hours or so is when your body starts to take your body fat and use that as energy. So it's almost like if you can get to hour 12 or 13, keep pushing the longer you can make it to 14, 15, 16, just know that that switch is still on in your body to use your body fat as energy, which basically is how you lose weight. So, you know, if, if you're looking at the clock being like, oh, I'm, I'm freaking starving, it's been 14 hours, just know that is when you are peak maximum of body fat loss yeah. right there. And just kind of knowing that is like a little motivation of like, oh, I, now I'm doing it. Even if you're sitting at the computer, your body's still using that for energy, which is wonderful. Right. So I know you walk a lot. So, uh, you know, just think like if, if someone's listening to this and they're, they're trying to get out of their window, they're almost done. Go for a walk, go burn that extra 20, 30 minutes of exercise. You're going to burn body fat way more that extra time. Just find ways to delay it because that's the, that's the optimum window right there when you're burning the body fat. Right now, while we're speaking, I just surpassed 20 hours. So I'm going on my 21st hour of fasting right now since yesterday. And I kind of have that empty feeling and, but it's not a hunger. I'm not saying, gosh, I have to eat something in the next 10 minutes. Could I sure. Um, but I definitely don't need to in this moment. And you kind of have to ride those hunger waves. And that's something that I've experienced throughout this process as well. But so long as you're not in that, you know, there are two different kinds of hungers, right? There's the mental hunger of saying, well, yeah, food sounds good. And I want something to eat. And then Mm -hmm. there's the physical, like your body needs that fuel. And those are two separate things. Um, but if it is just that mental of like, well, I really want to eat something right now. Um, you can kind of push that through and, and ride that wave, but that's another time where listening to your body is so important because you have to be able to differentiate between the two and not get to a point where, you know, if you're getting busy or lightheaded or I'm not feeling well, Mm -hmm. that should never happen during the fast. And that, you know, if that, if I ever get to that point, I think that's happened. I mean, literally maybe twice in a year, then Mm -hmm. I eat because that is my body signal to me. And that's where you have to listen and, and differentiate. It can be tricky. Um, you know, being somebody who is very active, I work out five, six days a week. And for the most part, I do well at fasting. There are just sometimes like I wake up in the morning, I'm out and about for maybe one or two hours. It's like, man, I had a really good workout last night. My body is crying for some protein or for some food. And that's do you me. Work being, out fasted? Uh, when I can. So yeah, I was going to hit on that in a moment. So most of my workouts, because I'm not really a morning person, come after work and, you know, I'm a little more awake at that time. Yeah. Um, so obviously that would mean I'm not really fasted because I'm eating like throughout the day a little bit, but, uh, weekends, 
Um, usually if I can hit the gym in the morning, I will definitely be fasted, maybe a cup of coffee beforehand, get a little bit of boost or whatever. Um, but I will say for people who have not tried working out or even going for a walk or going for a hike or whatever fasted, I feel honestly way better doing that because you don't have like stuff in your stomach. You're like a little uncomfortable and uh, you know, that, that didn't sit well with me. Your stomach is just, it's empty. Yeah. You might be a little hungry that's the most of it. Like I've had, you know, I've gone to the gym plenty of times where it's like, Oh, I shouldn't have ate that. I'm trying to jump on the, you know, the treadmill, do jumping jacks and all that stuff. I feel terrible. Like, you know, my best workouts honestly are when I'm fasted. Um, if I had a perfect world, I would be a morning person and I would work out at 7am when I'm fasted. And perhaps that's a habit I can pick up at some point in the future. Um, but for anybody who is a morning person and wants to do this, yeah, wake up, wake up, go for a walk, do something active and be faster while doing it. Um, you'll feel better. I, I, I definitely know for personal experience, I, I feel much, much better when I'm on an yeah. empty stomach and I'm doing stuff. I personally, because of my work schedule, I work evenings. So mornings are my time. So my exercise is always done fasted. But what's interesting in, in going through this process with intermittent fasting is I've kind of thought back on, um, you know, previous years of my life and different routines I had, you know, pre-husband, pre-babies. And there was a time in my life where I worked days. And so I didn't have time to get up and exercise in the morning. I would actually come home and eat dinner, but then I would wait three or four hours. And then I would go work out at the gym as my very last thing, like 10 PM to midnight, but mm. it was three or four hours after I had eaten dinner because of that feeling of just wanting to digest my food first before I go and have a workout. And so I think over the course of my life, I've always just felt better working out or doing some form of exercise on either no food or, you know, quite a few hours after eating because mm. right after eating never set well for me, but I think that's also important is just to figure out what works for your life and for your schedule. Cause some things we just can't change, right? If you have a certain work schedule, a certain routine that you have to meet, figure out how this way of life works into that and not say I am locked into this box and I have to do it this way because that's never going to succeed, right? The best plan for anyone for, for weight loss or weight management is the plan you can do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, I know I kind of touched on this before when I said, go school for a walk to, to push your window just a little more, like from my experience and from the science I understand is if you can tack on a, uh, a workout when your window is almost closed, it just accelerates everything so much more because you are really burning calories and guess where those calories are coming from. They're coming from your fat storage, not right. what you just your ate. Hips, your legs, your butt, your, yeah, all of exactly. it. Yeah. Exactly. So you know, whether it's hitting the weights or going for a run or even just something as simple as a 10 to 20 minute walk that it's like amplified. It's like two X, three X, just sitting on the couch waiting for that window to be done. So I highly recommend it. And there's also science. I don't know much about this, but there's also science too, about just being more alert when you're fasting, just feeling more awake, less groggy, um, sharper, um, that is not just me saying that there actually is a lot of science behind that. Have you noticed that at all? Personally, I have noticed an increase in energy for sure. That has, um, that was something I noticed pretty early on because I think for me and I, and from what I've seen from other personal testimonies, the first few weeks of fasting during kind of that transition phase can actually be pretty tough and you can go through some grogginess and low energy. And so when that flips, uh, when that switch flips and you kind of get that boost of energy and now you're like, oh, 
this is what it's like to have energy and be able to really uh, feel great in the fasted state is incredible. And then for me, it hasn't waned. I've been doing this now hardcore for a year. That was one of the reasons we were choosing to record here in September was September 1st, 2020 was my, uh, when I started this kind of hardcore, um, even though I dabbled with IF before. And so I'm a year in now and that energy hasn't gone away. And I'm so grateful for that. And I can physically feel it every single day. And it honestly makes me think back to, gosh, how was I feeling before? And what was I normalizing as I feel okay today mm. prior to this, because my energy level is, you know, through the roof at this point. And I, I know it never was in the past. Right. Well, I should have started this conversation off by saying, congratulations. Oh, a year you. is big. Your <laughs> accomplishments you. are massive. We'll get, to, we'll get to that in just a second. So for people who are starting and perhaps starting to get frustrated after a few days or a week or two, at what point do you have any idea that they should start to feel that switch that you just said to feel better and maybe perhaps start seeing the results and having this be a normal way of life? Yeah. So, I mean, I think that is the biggest, I don't know. I don't know if misconception is the right word, but just something that you have to keep in mind with intermittent fasting is that this is um, a lifestyle. It's a way of life. It's definitely not um, the words I like to use. It's not a crash diet. It's not a quick fix. This isn't something that, you know, for a majority of people, you're going to drop 10 pounds in 10 days or whatever kind of, you know, claims are out there about lots of different trends and fads. Um, so that, that transition takes time and that it's different for every person. So for me, I noticed that switch over at about the two week mark for someone else that could happen three weeks four weeks. It could take eight weeks. It depends on what's going on in your body, um, your insulin resistance, your liver glycogen stores, how long you're fasting for, what eating window you're choosing in the beginning. All of those things factor in to how long it takes your body to flip that switch and kind of train itself to go from sugar burning, which it's doing when you eat all the time and all this stuff from those, the, your food to the fat burning. And mm. In the beginning, the reason that I understand for the low energy is because the glycogen's depleted. And so those sugar stores have depleted, but your body isn't able to access the fat yet. And so it has to be able to flip that metabolic switch and get there. And in that meantime, you're feeling the low energy because your body's saying, I'm hungry, feed me. But mm -hmm. if you can push through that and still feel okay um, and get to your 16 hour, 18 hour, 20 hour, depending on what you're shooting for then your body will learn to start burning your fat as fuel. One of the analogies that I've heard from lots of different people in the IF realm that really like resonated with me was the difference between the food in your fridge and the food in your freezer hmm. in the deep freeze in the basement. You're not going to ever walk down to get food out of the deep freezer in your basement if your refrigerator is full. So you have to empty out the fridge upstairs and then you're going to walk downstairs and open up the deep freeze. And so it's the same thing with your body in terms of what your body has on tap with its, um, its liver glycogen versus your fat stores. And so you have to empty out the fridge first before you can get to the deep freezer. And um, when that was explained to me, and when I heard that from multiple different people um, who have been doing IF for a long time, I thought, gosh, that makes a lot of sense, right? We're always going to go the easy route. We're not mm -hmm. going to go the hard route first and our body functions the same way. And at least for me, that's how I have felt my body um, going through this process. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's a great analogy. And I'm sitting here thinking too, I know I mentioned this in our first podcast too, is if you're really looking to put a dent in your body weight and body mass, 
Um, yes, the great thing about intermittent fasting is to be super flexible in your eating window, but you will still be way better served if you're eating salads and vegetables and some fruits and not five pieces of pizza because you finally got through that 16 hours of fasting plus burgers and hot dogs and pastas and stuff like, yeah, you made it through the fasting, but make it worth it. You know, like, yes, cheat days, I know are important to you and are important to a lot of people. And I think everyone should experience life. But, you know, if you really want to start seeing the results of intermittent fasting and losing weight, you know, in that window, still eat, eat well, your body is using that for fuel all throughout the rest of the day, you know? So there is a difference in, yes, I made it through 16 hours and now I'm going to chow on a, a whole big pizza and sit around and have nachos all day. Or yes, I made it through my 16 hours and I'm going to have, you know, like a, a tuna salad or, you know, Brussels sprouts with broccoli and chicken and all that stuff. Like there's a, there is a massive difference with that too. So keep an eye on what you're eating still. Yeah. And what's interesting is that really when it comes down to it, intermittent fasting is about when you eat, right? Intermittent fasting is, is literally talking about the hours that you're fasting, the hours that you're eating. It's not about what you eat, your diet and what you choose to consume and those food choices you make, that is your, your diet. Um, and that doesn't mean you are on a diet. It means those are your dietary choices. Mm -hmm. And so typically in the beginning with IF, I found this for myself. And, you know, I feel like a lot of people I've interacted with who have found success with intermittent fasting have felt the same way that in the beginning, there's a lot going on with figuring out the, um, the fast mastering, the clean fast, getting used to your body, making that metabolic switch and that, the feeling that goes along with that. So the food choices may be kind of on the back burner at that point, but mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that they don't matter for sure. And so what you eat in that eating window, of course, is still important. Do you need to focus on it right away? No, if you're new to intermittent fasting, you can just focus on mastering the clean fast and figuring right. out how many hours you want to fast. But in the future, you can then look at those food choices and tweak them as well and you know, make healthier choices. And your palate may change too. Something that we talked about in the last podcast was that I had gone through um, different periods of no added sugar. And one of the things that I've really learned in this process, and it comes back to listening to your body, is how I feel when I consume what for me is too much sugar. And it is night and day now. And it was something that I could never feel and hear my body telling me before this process. Before this process, I would eat loads of sugar all the time and probably feel as crummy as I do now then, but I felt that way all the time. So it was just my normal. And now I can feel that difference on days where I make healthier food choices. I can feel my energy. I can feel that I just feel better. And then on days where I allow myself to have those treats, which I still do, and I don't call them cheats. I call them choices. I make my choice and I know what's going to come from that. Mm -hmm. But I can feel like sometimes I get just kind of jittery. Um, I just feel more lethargic. I mean, I can feel my body physically changing how it's reacting to what I put in it. And that's something that I could never pick up on before. And so I'm glad that like, you know, I can hear that now. Yeah, that's great. It's almost like, you know, having a car and you put some crummy fuel in it. It's just not going to run very well. You know, right. like you're never going to know, like if you've been putting crummy fuel in it from the beginning, right. that is just your status quo. But the moment you then put in, you know, the, 
the what what is it the premium gas then you're like oh wait oh this is what it's supposed to be like mm-hmm. exactly <laughs> yeah. yeah and um i've one thing i've noticed is i see a lot of people in your facebook group take photos of like ingredients in the backside of labels and uh you know a lot of things say like zeros um as far as like calories and sugars and stuff but then you go down to the ingredients it's got like fructose and sucralose and all that stuff so yeah, it's one of those things where keep an eye on that too, because those artificial sweeteners are just as bad, if not worse in some areas than just having a gram or two of normal sugar, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I think it's something, you know, you don't have to be, I mean, I think going back to what you said earlier in terms of keeping it simple, mm-hmm. I think you can keep it simple. And if you don't feel confident, confident or comfortable in reading nutrition labels and understanding every single thing listed there, like you don't have to worry about that and you don't have to worry about it right away. Um, it's something to definitely keep in mind and just be kind of more conscious of, you know, choosing more whole foods if you can. And, you know, Hey, I make sure that these days I have a couple cups of fresh veggies every single day. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that I'm not also having stuff that's more processed. Um, I still have a, a diet that's got processed foods in it as well. I still eat pizza and pasta and takeout and that kind of stuff too, but you can be conscious of those things in small steps. It doesn't have to be an all or nothing situation. Mm -hmm. The only thing really in intermittent fasting to me, that's all or nothing is the fast, right? But with that aside, everything else can be small steps and you can kind of take them one at a time. There's no need to rush everything, right? It's the rest of your life. It's not, you know, only a one week or a two week crash diet. Yeah, very true. And like I, like we said before, keep it simple. If yeah. you have to ask the question, is this allowed? Probably. That not. pretty much <laughs> answers your question. Yeah. That pretty much answers it. If you have to ask that question, just know the answer is 99.9%. No, not allowed during the fasting window if yeah. you actually want to yeah. fast. But you know what? do it in your eating window because that is exactly intermittent fasting is the moment that eating window opens, you have the flexibility to kind of consume. And I put this in quotation marks, whatever you want. Mm -hmm. Now, if you turn and, you know, go down a full pizza or a big milkshake or something like that, you might not see the same progress that you would like to see um, or the progress as fast as you would like to see it. But the nice part about intermittent fasting is that there are not There's not certain restrictions that you have to meet within that eating window. And for me, that's been really freeing because I can make choices that on certain days I'm going to have something that, you know, maybe higher calorie, but more enjoyable and that I don't feel guilty over that. Whereas in the past with other kind of quote unquote diets that I followed, I was restricted and I could not have certain things. I was deprived of them. And so then that's all I could think about Mm -hmm. intermittent fasting. I don't have that deprivation because there's nothing I can't have, if I don't want it. So I'm just making the choice of whether I want it or not, but there's nothing that intermittent fasting tells me on paper. You cannot have that. So, so now, (laughs) so so now I know we've kind of hinted on it uh, previously about your successes and where you are currently. So let's talk about that. What's been going on this last, last six months for you? Yeah, it's been interesting. So it's just obviously going through, you know, spring and summer. And now I guess hopefully pushing into fall here soon. It's still hot where we are, but mm-hmm. um, it, that part's been interesting because for me, I didn't know if when we chatted last time, I had just gotten into the normal BMI range and that was kind of where I had set, um, 
you know, kind of a big initial goal for myself. And I didn't know if that's where my body wanted to be. If I wanted, if it was going to want to lose another five or 10 pounds, we'd see. And so far I have been kind of maintaining in a three to four pound range. Um, I haven't decided, I guess, in my mind, if I consider myself in maintenance or if I consider this more of a plateau, but I have been maintaining in that range. And that's Mm -hmm. something I think for me has been really important to not make me feel like I'm just going to go off the deep end and end up sliding back up the scale is that to be in a range is okay. That I'm not looking to keep one number on the scale every single day. Our weight fluctuates every day, regardless of whether we're trying to lose weight or gain weight or maintain weight. And so to keep that concept in my head to say, it's okay to fluctuate between these three or four pounds and that that's part of our body's natural process. Um, So yeah, I've just been kind of maintaining and cheering other people on and trying to make good choices to keep myself in that range. And we'll see, you know, I think if I wanted to tighten things up, I could probably drop a few more pounds, but I don't know if I want to do that. I feel like I'm really content at where I am with my window and with what I can eat and the balance with my family's life. I do give myself a little bit more flexibility on the weekends. So sometimes on the weekends, my window extends to six hours or seven hours. And then other times, like yesterday, for instance, I was doing uh, 20 and four was my window and I was eating in the evenings. And then on Friday, I decided I'm going to do a lunch window today. So I actually only fasted for 15 hours before I ate yesterday. But my window then was only two and a half hours. And then today I'll be pushing a 24 hour window before I open. So I allow myself to have that flexibility to kind of rotate with what our weekend plans are with what's going on in our lives and not feel so stuck to the clock in saying you cannot eat until 3 PM. And that's something that I try to um, pass on to other people when they talk to me about IF and, and say, well, what about this? Or how can I fit this into my life? And I say, it's flexible. You can make those changes. It's okay. You know, you do not have to, you know, be so regimented every single day. Now, Mm -hmm. of course, how it impacts your personal progress, that's what you see over time. And if I were to take my four hour window and every day grow it to a six or seven hour window, well, then, you know, the scale might start to tell me that that's not the right choice for me, Mm -hmm. but to make, to be flexible and change things up day to day as it works for your life and your schedule, I think is okay. And it's, it's nice to not feel like, so, um, kind of in a box. So do you feel that a four hour window of eating is enough window to consume the amount of calories that you need for fuel? So two things, I'll be honest. I do not count calories. I don't count carbs. I don't count any of it. And I haven't, um, that being said, can I look at a nutrition label or can I look at the ingredients that I put in like my daily smoothie, for instance, and have an idea of, you know, a rough idea of what I'm consuming? Yes. And I eat a lot. <laughs> Sometimes I think back and I'm like, wow, wow, I really did like eat a lot. So for me, the nice thing about a four hour window is that I am able to consume plenty of food in my meal and my snack that I fit into that four hours but it doesn't let me kind of go off the rails. And I think that's where you, every person has to figure out what works for them. For me, the four hours is um, a way to kind of keep my food choices in check and know that once I'm within that four hours, I'm flexible and I'm able to eat kind of what I want and not have to sit there and look at every nutrition label and calorie label. And I eat plenty of food. I probably eat more food now than 
I have ever eaten on previous quote diet mm. and, and more calories, honestly. <laughs> what are some of your food staples? I know we discussed this before. Maybe some have say the same, maybe some have changed. What are your food staples? Yeah. So for me, um, I know we talked about this in the previous episode. I have kind of a daily smoothie that I put together with, um, you know, protein and uh, veggies and fruit. I've added chia seeds and lemon into that, which I really enjoy. Um, and so I do that pretty much every day. That's what I bring with me during the work week. I bring that with me to work. And then when I head home for my dinner break, that's when I can eat just kind of a variety of foods. We'll do different things for dinner every single night. I try to make sure that there's some form of protein, some form of veggie. I like to end with a piece of fruit as dessert. And then some days I, I throw in a sweet treat in there and sometimes I don't. So for me, I have that snack of smoothie and veggies and then a dinner. And I feel very satisfied, sometimes overly satisfied or even full. And I get in plenty of food in that, in that window for me. Okay, great. And uh, I think the question that a lot of us have is drum roll, please do, 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 do. how much weight have you lost since you oh. started this? Okay. So I started on September 1st, 2020 at 201.1 pounds. And these days I am right around the 145 pound mark. So that's more than 55 pounds. In one and year. I hit that point at the time we spoke last. So I did that in about five and a half months. And wow. I've now maintained that for the last uh, six or so months. That's awesome. Oh, it's just so awesome. And what makes it even better too, is it's a time where a lot of people are gaining weight because of the pandemic and like sitting around or anxiety or depression. And, you know, you kind of said, forget this, I'm going to actually yeah. use this and go the other way with it. And, uh, you know, you've, you've made such a healthy choice now. And it's also probably honestly helping with the pandemic. Um, you know, like this is a, this is a tough time, uh, for people's health and, uh, you know, for people who are a little overweight or obese are having, you know, some, some really tough times during this whole COVID coronavirus pandemic. So one of the main gists and points of this episode, besides your updates was to talk about the most frequently asked questions you receive about intermittent fasting. So without further ado, let's go ahead and tackle those. Okay. So I chatted with all of the members of the group, asked them for their feedback and said, what are some of the questions that you had when you were first starting out with intermittent fasting and tried to kind of lump those into kind of a top range of questions. And so I have seven questions, a couple of those we've actually already touched on, but I'll read through all seven of them. And then we can kind of touch on them and, and talk about the details as we go. So the first one is what can you eat, drink, chew during the fast? Essentially, what is a clean fast? Number two is what can I eat, drink, chew during my eating window? And is there any certain diet required during IF? Do I have to count calories? That sort of thing. Number three is how do I get started? How do I pick my eating window? What is 16-8, 18-6, OMAD, ADF, kind of explaining all of those things. Number four is what if I get hungry while I'm fasting? What do I do? Number five is what if I'm not seeing progress in my first few weeks of IF? Does it mean it's not working for me? Number six is what does it mean when you say, listen to your body, um, dealing with hunger and satiety signals, pushing through a hunger wave, maybe appetite correction, how you feel after eating certain foods, that sort of thing. 
And then number seven is what is an NSV, a non-scale victory? And why is it important to track progress in different ways, like the scale or measurements or photos? Um, so that to me kind of tackled the, the basics and, and everything that you would need to know leading into to starting intermittent fasting or being a beginner, I guess. Okay, perfect. So question number one was what you can eat, chew, drink during the fast. I know we have kind of touched on that. And the, the question that kind of comes to me, the, the part of that is the chew part. Um, Cause I am somebody that will chew on gum occasionally during my fast. Um, I don't think it's a killer, but I also don't think it helps either. Yeah. I mean, technically kind of going back to what we spoke about, my understanding is that, you know, that can trigger an insulin response, just like eating or drinking can, especially with gum, you know, having a sweetener in it mm -hmm. that you're essentially kind of giving your body that cue that like food is coming, food is coming, your jaw is also moving. And so it's one of those things where, you know, can you fast and still lose weight on intermittent fasting and chew gum? I mean, yeah, you probably can, but is it going to be potentially harder for you? Are you going to feel hungry all the time? Are you going to be kind of that, that quote, white knuckling it to the finish line every single day? potentially. And for me personally with fasting, it, I would rather be safe than sorry. And so if I can stick in water, sparkling water, black coffee, black tea, I'd much rather stay in that safe zone and not even kind of worry about things outside of that. Yeah. And that's kind of, I guess it comes back to what I just said about if you have to ask a question about it, the answer is probably no. And right. I have kind of somewhat wondered about the whole gum thing. Um, for me, I guess it's something that, uh, you know, sometimes I'm near the end of my window and instead of me, I don't know, chewing on something or eating something, it's like, if I could just have this piece of gum, I'll make it another two hours or something. So, you know, I think I'm using it as a tool to help me get way past my window. So maybe there's a benefit with that, but, uh, yeah, I guess, uh, chewing gum, I should take my yeah. advice. Maybe not, maybe not do that. <laughs> and, and again, this is all from my personal experience. And that's not to say that there aren't people out there who have chewed gum while fasting and didn't see success doing it. Mm -hmm. I just, I'm a rule follower. So I, <laughs> I tend to stick in, you know, very clear boxes uh, most of the time. And so for me, it's much easier to just stick with that kind of clean fast mentality. And that might be one thing too, is if you absolutely feel it necessary to chew gum, maybe that's a point in time where you actually do look at the ingredients and get a better gum for you other than the ones that are just loaded with sweeteners and, you know, the fake sugars and stuff. So if you do find it necessary to, to, to chew on something, make it worthwhile, I guess, and make sure it's not killing your fast while you're doing it. So, yeah. Another thing I get a lot too, is like lemon in my water, um, you know, or fruit in my water, you know, those you want to steer away from too, because they are foods, right. And your body's yeah. going to react to that as such. So yeah. Okay. So we just hit on question number one. Do you want to dive deeper into any more of that? Or are we going to move on to number two? I think we're okay. Cause we did kind of talk about the, the fat burning and the insulin um, earlier. So I think that kind of is reflective of that. Um, but number two is, is the exciting part, right? Like what do I get to eat, drink to in my eating window? I mean, really whatever you want. Right. So mm -hmm. all of, all of that to say that you really want to listen to your body and, you know, eat, what makes you feel best. So for me personally, I know we talked about this last time I've been a vegetarian for 21 years, so I don't eat, eat meat in my eating window ever, because that's just part of, um, 
of the choices that I make. That doesn't mean that you don't have to eat meat in your eating window. It's really about finding what works best for your body. I also have found that when I do those um, days or weeks of no added sugar, that I feel better. That doesn't mean that I always do them. And that doesn't mean that I don't put in, you know, sweet treats and make plans to have indulgences, but I can feel better doing that. Um, but there's definitely nothing that says like you must eat keto, for instance, mm-hmm. while doing intermittent fasting. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of people who find success doing keto and intermittent fasting hand in hand, but it's definitely not a requirement. And to my understanding, it's about finding what works best for your body in that eating window and fuels you and makes you feel, feel your best. And now you also have this question number two, do you have to count calories? You just said you do not. Correct. I don't, um, you know, there are people that I have interacted with in my group specifically who choose to count calories just as a tool for them to kind of keep their portions in check. I do more kind of visual portion control and listening to my body. But if you haven't gotten those cues back yet, from your body because they've kind of been, um, stunted from so many years of diet culture, you know, that could be a tool that you use, but I think it's also important to remember that, you know, a hundred calories of broccoli is not the same as a hundred calories of candy. And so when it comes down to it, I think it can be, um, you know, counting calories can be just a little bit flawed in that sense, because it doesn't take into consideration the nutrient value behind the calories that you're consuming. For sure. It's a hundred percent true. And something that, um, I started to use back in February and I've kind of tapered away from it now, but I may start using it at some point. It was the, my fitness pal app. So for anybody listening to this, that wants to kind of have an idea. The great thing is, is it was so eye opening to me of all the stuff I was putting in my body and like how many carbs I was having, um, you know, how much sugars I was having, how much, uh, fats I was having, and protein. Um, sometimes it's just really good to see what your normal diet looks like as far as all those numbers, because I was someone who was snacking on almonds all the time. Like, y'all, they're good for you. They're high in protein, blah, blah, blah. Oh my God. I was eating way too much. It was like, well, no kidding. This is not, this is why I'm not where I want to be. It's because, because of this. And so Honestly, I will recommend for anybody who is curious to know about like what they're eating, what they're putting in their body and how it adds up, do a few weeks of the MyFitnessPal app and you're going to be like, whoa, okay. And sometimes yeah. it just takes a visual to be like, okay, I need to tone this down a little bit. I didn't realize it was this bad because, you know, when I kept going to my pantry and snag a handful of almonds, two hours later, do it again and then do it again. And before you know, I had 50 grams of fat just from like 20 almonds. It was like, that wasn't worth it. I didn't realize that was happening. So for anybody who is looking to kind of have more of an idea of what they're putting in their body, I definitely highly recommend the, my fitness pal app, give it a shot. That's just something where you can use it for a few weeks, have a good idea of what what you're putting in, how much, like how much value it kind of has to you. Um, then you can go from there. And I think what's really great about apps like those is that they are tools we can use, right? But you don't have to feel locked into, well, my only success is if I am tracking every single day, every single calorie down to this, you know, little nitty gritty details. For me, I have found in the past when I have tried to do that, I go all in and then it turns into all or nothing. Either I better be tracking you know, exactly every single thing perfectly, or I go off the deep end and I'm not doing anything. And so for me personally, I have found success in this process of saying, I'm going to write down 
what goes in my mouth every single day. So I have a log starting on September 1st of 2020 of every single thing that has gone in my mouth food wise, but I don't write down, I don't track the calories for those. I don't track the macros. I have no idea. It's literally just a list. Today I ate blue, 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 and that's it. Um, And so for me, that's been kind of that balance of, I don't feel the pressure of having to keep up with quote unquote tracking, but it's an accountability tool for me. And I think that's where the mindset shift has, has worked for me. And I know that there's probably plenty of other people out there that feel that same kind of pressure of like with a diet, quote unquote diet, you have to be on and it's either all or nothing. And this has allowed me that flexibility to have the reflection that I can go back and say, oh yeah, what, what was going on that week? Or, mm. you know, that sort of thing, but not feel the pressure of like, well, I better track, you know, these 10 macros and every calorie down to the exact calorie. Otherwise I'm not succeeding. And one thing you can also track too, on top of that is how you felt that day. Because, uh, you know, if you do the math and you feel good five days in a row and you had similar foods, you can always go back and like, why do I feel crummy? You're like, oh, I've well, and I'm not eating this and this and this. So that could be yeah. something you track as well. I, I write that down. I have a note section in my note on my phone. It's just one of those um, note features. I have an iPhone. And so I just have a note and it's a running note. And I track the what I eat in a day, what my window was. So I say when I opened it, when I closed it. Um, I track how many steps I take because I'm, I'm, I'm a walker and I like to walk. So I, I track my steps and then I have a note section in that note section. I track how much water I drink. Um, just roughly speaking, um, in terms of ounces. And then I write down how I feel. And there will be days where I said, I ate past the tide today. I felt so full. Um, I ate too much sugar and I could feel the effects afterward. And I, I write that down as just kind of that thing that I can go back and then reflect on later. And so I try to really be honest with myself in those moments when I'm jotting down those notes, because today I've already made the choice and I'm already feeling the effects. So the note is really for in the future when I go back and, and look at it. And sometimes I don't scroll back through there for weeks or months. And then other times it's, you know, every few days I'm scrolling back and looking, but it's nice to have something to refer back to, but not feel the pressure of, well, you had to do it right every single day or you didn't do it right. You know, for sure. Yeah. And I know you just said that you track your steps every day. We talked about how much you walk before (laughs) what, uh, what fitness, um, like tracker do you use to track your steps? Oh, I just got one off of Amazon. They have like so many different ones on Amazon these days that are pretty affordable. I I used to use, I think a Fitbit way back in the day, but they were more expensive and eventually it just kind of died, you know, as technology can do. And so I replaced it with one from Amazon for like 30, 40 bucks. And it's been great for me so far. Um, And I think that's the nice thing is these days technology has advanced so much that wearable fitness tracking devices are fairly affordable and Mm -hmm. fairly widespread. And so finding something to track with hopefully is, you know, affordable for most people and, um, can help you just again as another tool, but none of it's required, right? I could go out and walk the same amount of steps I walk right now and not track it. I'm still getting the advantages of walking every day. But for me, I like to, you know, kind of keep track of those numbers, but not feel, um, not feel controlled or bound by them. Right. Mm -hmm. It's more so just to track my progress than to say, well, you must do X, Y, and Z every single day or, or you're a failure. So I'm wondering, can people challenge you or follow you on that watch? Cause I, I, I don't think so. I don't no. think it's like, cause I know that other devices and other brands out there have those sorts of programs. And I don't think this one does. Okay. 
Well, maybe yeah. one day we can all challenge Erica and see where we well, can so match up. In the group, in Erica's Essential Encouragement, we do a weekly and monthly step challenge. And so whatever fitness tracker you have to keep track of your steps, um, we will do uh, Monday through Sunday every week. And then we do a monthly total. So people participate in that and they just report back how many steps they've taken and, and how many miles it translated into. And so we do have that in the group. And so it's a nice way that regardless of what you're using to track because people have lots of different technologies out there to do that. You mm -hmm. can report back and um, it's pretty incredible to see how many steps people are out there doing or physical activity they're doing, right? Steps can be everything throughout your day, just your daily life. And I think sometimes people forget that, that just because you didn't get up and put on your running shoes and put on workout gear and go outside for a walk doesn't mean that you can't get physical activity. All this winter when it was cold out, I literally just walked back and forth in front of my television while we would watch a movie inside in the, you know, temperature controlled environment. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, like with it being summer right now, as we record this, like, it's funny, like I, I put on my tracker when I mow the lawn and I come yeah. back and I'm like, Oh, 4,000 steps, just like that. Mowing the lawn, listening to a exactly. podcast. Wonderful. So yeah, you're yeah. right. You get steps just by doing everything. Just move around, just yeah. get up and do something. Exactly. Um, so I'm going to skip down to question number six, because you, you answer question number two with, by saying, listen to your body. So let's hit on what, so it says, what, what does it mean when you say, listen to your body? So let's yeah. hear you talk about that. So this is obviously a really big one, but it can be hard to quantify. And I think for me, especially, and I know in talking with other people who have, you know, dealt with with weight and struggled with weight issues their entire lives, you know, we can be so set on having a routine and a schedule. Like, you know, I grew up that we ate breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and we had snacks. And, and those were just kind of times that were set on the clock, regardless of really how you felt, right. Or how much you had eaten in the last meal. Um, and so I think it's a matter of asking yourself questions, reflecting on how you physically truly feel and giving yourself time to kind of respect those feelings. So are you actually hungry? Um, when you're eating a meal, are you full or are you eating past that point of like satiety or like, I am, I'm done here, but then you keep going. Um, knowing the difference, I think even just between like that hunger pang that we can get throughout fasting that can, you know, fade off after a couple of minutes. And when you are truly like, this is the time that I need to break my fast and start eating. And those things can be really hard to hear in the beginning because we're so used to dealing with these external factors of the clock or it's lunchtime. So you must eat or whatever the case may be. And so for me throughout this process, until I was able to get to that point where um, my appetite was able to kind of correct itself over time, I had to use tools and I still use those tools to kind of guide my body in that direction. So I use portion control, for instance, to help me get to that point where I can hear my body saying, this is enough, or this is too much, or no, you might need a little bit more today. And to know that that fluctuates from day to day as well. And being able to honor that and know that today I might need a little bit more food tomorrow. I'm okay. And listening to that change on a daily basis and understanding that. And again, it's so hard to kind of quantify, but it really 
we all have to kind of get back in touch with like what our body is saying from the inside out, as opposed to what everyone else is telling us from the outside in of, well, it's lunchtime, you must eat, or you must have three square meals a day, or you must do this, or you must do that to be successful and to lose weight and those sorts of things. Um, so yeah, it's been, for me, the best part of intermittent fasting though, is I have used it as kind of this on off switch. And so, you know, it doesn't have to flip on and turn off at the exact same time every day. I can use my body to listen to that. And sometimes there's things out of our control that happen, right? If I'm at work and a meeting comes up and then, oh, I was supposed to open my window at three and now today I'm not opening it until 3.30, like that's life. And you just mm -hmm. have to kind of roll with that too. But, you know, the more that you can listen to your cues and what's happening inside, I think the better off we can all be. But it's much easier said than done for sure. Yeah, it is. And it is something that you kind of get used to after you start, you kind of start to tell the difference. Um, it is still tricky. Um, even after a lot of time on, on fasting, it's like one thing I do is sometimes I'll eat just cause I'm bored, you know, it's like, right. Oh, so eating something sounds nice right now. Um, yeah. and, uh, yeah, I, I know a habit a lot of us have is to look at the clock and say, Oh, it's about lunchtime. Well, we were also all taught that like breakfast was the most important meal of the day. There's a lot of science that just negates that. That was all marketing branding by cereal companies. So right. it is really hard to go against the grain as far as, you know, breakfast and lunch and dinner at certain times of the day, things we were taught when we were, you know, when we were younger and growing up in the food pyramid and all that stuff that's just been proven to be completely wrong. And we're all trying to basically go against the grain with a lot of that it makes it difficult, but, uh, yeah, the best advice you can give is what you just said, listen to your body. If you're actually hungry and need food, okay, eat, <laughs> you know? And if you don't think about it, like, am I just eating? Cause I'm sitting here watching football. I will probably do, be doing that tomorrow. I'm not going to right. lie. <laughs> <laughs> it's Sunday. I'm going to be yeah. probably sitting down saying, this is my time to eat and watch football and enjoy life. Nothing wrong with that, but I know I'm probably not going to be hungry after the first five minutes, but yeah, that's uh, that's really great advice. So we can move on to the next question, which you had as question number three. So this is, you know, kind of the beginning steps for everybody. How do I get started and how do I pick my eating window and what are the different protocols or options out there? Um, I think one of the things we've talked about a lot is the flexibility of intermittent fasting. So even when you're picking an eating window, you do not have to be locked in and say, well, I am now a 16 eighter, so I can never do anything other than 16 eight, right? That's not the case. You can change it literally day to day. Um, I think when you're first starting out with fasting, let me start from the very beginning. If you see two numbers with a colon in between them in reference to intermittent fasting, the first number is always talking about how many hours you're fasting. And the second number is talking about how long your eating window is. Um, so a lot of typical ones you'll hear of would be 16.8 or 18.6 or 24. Those numbers obviously always add up to 24 hours because that's how long a day is. And yes, your fasting hours include when you are sleeping. So that's kind of the basic. Um, for a lot of people who are just starting when they ask me, like, what's my recommendation of how long they should fast? Um, I think a good starting point for a lot of people is a 16.8 because when you think of that, it is hopefully as simple as just skipping one meal. So before you might've been eating three meals and a couple snacks throughout the day, but if you just skip breakfast and you take those eight hours and do them from, for instance, 
10 a.m. to 6 p.m. or 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. You can skip one meal and you still have an eight-hour eating window. And that's a really kind of um, easy way for a lot of people to ease in to intermittent fasting and get used to that because it does really change up your your lifestyle and your routine. So you want to kind of ease into that. But you don't even have to start with 16-8 if you don't want to. You could start as simply as 12-12 and kind of ease your way up. Now, mm-hmm. will you see, you know, massive weight drop off in a week or two if you're doing 12-12 or 14-10 or even 16-8? Maybe not, right? So I think that's important to know is that it's not just some formula that says, if I do 16-8 intermittent fasting, I will drop X pounds, right? It's not that simple. It's unique to your body. It's unique to what your body needs. And then also the food choices, as we've kind of talked about. So for me, I started with 16-8 worked my way down to an 18.6 and eventually worked my way down to a 24. And that's where I found a sweet spot for me now maintaining weight. But even in my weight loss phase, I really found a sweet spot in losing weight at that 24 protocol. Now there's lots of different options as well. You don't have to stick to those round numbers. You know, I think a lot of times people feel really locked in. And I think that's where I want to remind you that to be flexible and to be open, right? There are days where my fasting window is 19 hours, 25 minutes. And then my eating hour is three hours, 17 minutes, right? Like it does not have to be exactly 20 and exactly four and whatever the case may be. It can be flexible and it can change from day to day. Now, to be clear, there are other options out there like OMAD, one meal a day. That is kind of talking about the fact that some people choose to do intermittent fasting where they only eat one meal a day. But even that is really just semantics because how you choose to eat that meal can be within 30 minutes, or it could be over the course of two to four hours. If you want to do it kind of in a restaurant style where you're doing an appetizer and then an entree and then a dessert. So really that's just semantics. Um, I think the biggest difference is when you go from daily intermittent fasting to something that goes beyond just a 24 hour cycle. And that's what ADF is alternate daily fasting or alternate day fasting. And there's different forms of that where you can um, fast. There's a four, three protocol, a five, two protocol. There's true alternate daily fasting where you're an up day, a down day, up day, down day. Um, And that's probably for someone who is more advanced with intermittent fasting. If you are just beginning intermittent fasting, you don't want to be pushing to a 36 or 42 hour fast in the beginning. So as we've said throughout this, and I think is really good advice is to keep it simple, work your way up. You don't have to, it's, it's, you know, kind of like a, a muscle, right? Like you're not going to just go and pick up a 300 pound weight. You have to start with the 10 pounds first, right? So keep it simple and build, build that muscle. And also just remember, as I mentioned uh, previously in this podcast, like you really start to burn the fat as energy after about hour 12 or 13. So Mm -hmm. if you are doing like a 12, 12, uh, say 13, 11 or 1410. Just know, yes, like you're working your way up there. That's awesome. But you're really going to start seeing the effects of burning that body fat once you start really pushing it up to the 16 and eight and even more. Um, another quick little tip that I think has worked well for me. If you are able to do this, eat dinner just a little earlier because it may it makes it a hell of a lot easier to get to 11 a.m other than let's say like 12 or 1230 or one o'clock in the right. afternoon, because you're waiting for that, that clock to, to 
tick. So you can go mm-hmm. ahead and pick up your, pick up your food and eat something. But if you eat a little earlier, you go to bed, you kind of sleep through that whole eight, nine, 10 hour window or whatever. And then you wake up and you only have a couple hours to make it. And you can do that. It's a lot easier than waking up saying, Oh man, I got four hours to wait to eat something. Yeah. You know, it's just not everyone can do that with their work schedules and family schedules. I understand, but it's a quick little tip that will help if possible. And I think it's important too, just to know, to figure out what works for your life, right? Like mm-hmm. my current eating window that, that I find success on most days is where I eat between three and 7 PM, but 3 PM, like you're saying is pretty late. And some people may say, I, I don't want to wait that late and you don't have to. There are people who are successful with intermittent fasting who have breakfast windows, right? They, they do four hours, but they do their four hours from seven to 11 or, you know, nine to 1 PM. And then they're done for the rest of the day. Personally, for me, I like that feeling of, of waiting and kind of that empty feeling that I get throughout the day and then having my food a little bit later in the day. But if that doesn't feel good to you or doesn't work with your, your lifestyle or your routine, that's okay. Yeah, Exactly. Yeah. All right. So the next question is, what if I get hungry while I'm fasting? What do I do? Well, guess what? It's probably going to happen. Right. Yeah. (laughs) And especially, I mean, I'm more than a year into doing this really hardcore and I had also kind of, you know, dabbled in the past and I still get those, you know, feelings of hunger here and there. So I think that goes back to what we were talking about, about listening to your body and knowing if it's just kind of that head hunger of saying like, man, you know, that, that, donut looks really good over there? Or are you actually really physically hungry and need the fuel from food? Right. Mm -hmm. And those are two very separate things. And I think if um, people think about that, you know, you know, that difference, right. You just have to kind of acknowledge it and, and um, understand it. But I think it's important to know, uh, this is just from my experience and I've heard other people talk about it and I've experienced myself that those kind of hunger waves that come, they literally are waves. So if you talk about going out and, um, drinking some water or going on a walk or just getting up and, you know, cleaning something or whatever the case may be distracting yourself. You can usually ride that wave. And then you'll think back and say, Oh gosh, yeah. Five, 10 minutes ago, I did feel kind of hungry. Now I feel okay. Again, you know, I'm at the almost 21. No, I guess I'm almost at the 22 hour mark here and I'm feeling great. But at 19 hours, when I got up earlier, I felt that little hunger pang Mm -hmm. and then it subsided. And so I think understanding what the hunger you're feeling is and knowing if it's kind of the head hunger or the true, you know, physical hunger. And then if it is just that head hunger, then kind of distracting yourself and pushing on, but also listening to your body and knowing that if it is the time that you need to open your window and eat to do that, right. You're not wanting to get to a point of having physical symptoms like being lightheaded or Disney dizzy or fainting, right? Like it is not a, you know, push, push, push until you get to that point, listening to your body and knowing that difference and eating when you need to. But if it's, you know, if it's just that little hunger wave of your body saying, give me a little fuel, but if not, it continues to burn your own fat, then kind of pushing through that. If you feel good. Yeah. I think that's important for sure. And for anybody listening to this too, is if you know, if you give in, you're saying I am starving, but I haven't hit my haven't hit my window yet. It's okay. You can eat something. It's fine. Take care of yourself, and that does not mean you're a failure. You no. are not a failure. And I would say just one thing is try not to make that a trend every day because that means you're just not doing intermittent fasting. <laughs> but you can start again the next day. It's okay. Like I said, like when I take vacations, like it's almost all out the window. It is what it is. You can start again when you get home. 
Um, and you can even adjust it day of, I mean, there are days, like I mentioned yesterday, I had this lunch window. And so I opened my, my window after only 15 hours of fasting, which for me is, you know, pretty low, but then I closed it much earlier than I normally do. I was done eating by 2 PM that day, as opposed to eating dinner at seven o'clock. And so I just kind of shifted my window, right? So if you open early one day, you can shift your time frame and mm-hmm. not then continue to eat, or you can have a longer window that day. And then tomorrow, you know, make yeah. it a bit shorter. You can easily just say, guess what? I'm just not doing fasting today. I'll start again tomorrow. You know, it is what yeah. it is. But like I said, just don't make it a trend or otherwise that's just, you're not fasting anymore. It's over. Sure. Um, all right. So question, this is what, this is what I'm curious to know about is uh, one number five. What if I'm not seeing progress in my first few weeks of intermittent fasting? Does that mean it's not working for me? Yeah. So this one is really interesting because, you know, I think most of us who are, you know, especially looking to lose weight, you want to see the scale reflect that and as fast as possible. And so it's always much harder to sit there and remember that did you gain those 20 or 30 or 50 or 80 pounds, you know, in a week? No. (laughs) And is it going to come off in that amount of time? Uh, Probably not. So to be patient, and I am the least patient person out there, so I can attest to this. Um, But I think it's important to, to know what do you consider progress? You know, that's why and we'll get to this later with number seven, that it's so important to have multiple different ways to track your progress, because just because the scale may not show you dropping weight immediately doesn't mean that intermittent fasting isn't working inside your body and really making a lot of healthy changes. Um, And I think that, again, that patience is just really important that you may not drop weight immediately and that that is okay. And that you shouldn't even expect that get used to this new lifestyle that you're incorporating and let your body have time to adjust to it and get through that transition phase and, and be patient and give it that grace. You know, we do that, I think for so many other things in our lives and for other people, but then for ourselves, we don't give ourselves that same patience and grace that we extend to others and in other situations. And so why would you not do that in this, in this sense? Um, and that with time, it will get there. Now, if you're hitting a, a two month or a three month mark and like weight is not falling, um, then I think you can adjust and you can tweak and you can look at those food choices and maybe consider how long your eating window is. There's lots of things that you can tweak and change along the way to make it easier and to get you to your goals. But in a week's time or two weeks time, don't think that like, Oh, it's just going to be, that's it. You know, everything that I've ever gained is now gone. And, and it's this crash diet because that's just not the reality of things. And the thing with intermittent fasting is it became very popular because people really started to lose the way they wanted to lose. Yes. That's, that's something you can visually see. But keep in mind, there's a lot of benefits with intermittent fasting that you cannot see that's going on the insides. I'm going to read a few of them right here. Um, This is from healthline.com. It was the first one that came up on Google. You can easily Google. There's a ton of research. Um, Let's see here. So one of them, it can reduce insulin resistance, lowering your risk for type 2 diabetes. So if you if that's something that's running your family, and let's say you've only lost a couple of pounds in a few months, but you're also reducing the risk of diabetes, that is down well worth it, you know, so stick with it. That's happening on the inside. 
um, can reduce oxidative stress inf inflammation in the body. Like you're not going to see that on the scale, but that's just, that's super worth it. And it may be beneficial. You'll see it in your face though. There you go. Yeah. And it says maybe beneficial for heart health, um, induces various cellular repair processes, may help prevent cancer, um, has benefits for your brain. And see, so may help prevent Alzheimer's disease and may extend your lifespan, helping you live longer. Um, that's actually something I've heard from, from, uh, Dr. David Sinclair. I listened to his podcast and read his book and he does, he says fasting is a very important part, um, for people to live longer and healthier lives. So just because you're not seeing results on the scale, perhaps just know there's so many health benefits that can come with this, that you're just not going to see on the scale. So maybe even get your blood tested before you start and maybe like five or six months down the road after fasting, just get it tested again and see all those results that may come with it that you're not seeing on the scale. Yeah. I'm actually really excited about that because I uh, saw my doctor at the beginning of this process um, back last fall. And so I got kind of that baseline of, of numbers and I have that appointment coming up here in October. So I'm really excited to see that, that switch. And even for me, I wasn't, I didn't have any numbers that were, you know, elevated to the point of concern, but that doesn't mean that they were optimal. You know, that just means that they were within the normal range, whatever that may be. So I'm really curious to see um, how fasting has impacted that, but yeah, oh, that's, that's awesome. A, yeah. But it's a great tool to just, you know, work with your doctor and know where your body stands today and talk about where you want it to go. And I think that's where it's important to know that you got to do what's right for your body and work with your doctor on that because we're all different, right? So none of us can say, but every single person needs to do this exactly the same way. Right. Yeah, for sure. I'm interested to hear some of those numbers too. Uh, so are you going to post that on your uh, Facebook group? Yeah, I'll have to look at it. I mean, I, I honestly don't even know what it's going to be yet, but yeah, I'll be curious to go back and reflect and yeah, maybe I will share that. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And then that's something you can do for maybe the next 12 months is find ways to tweak those and maybe fine tune those to make your health even better to, to the next yeah. level. You know, I know something that we brought up real quick last podcast was like vitamins and supplements or something. Maybe that's, maybe you're just a little deficient in like a vitamin D or a B12 or something like that. Yeah. And you can start introducing that. And then you really live in, you know, maximum health, which is awesome. It's exciting. Yeah. To think about. Um, so I know we already covered number six. So number seven, the final question you have is what is an NSV non-scale victory? I'll let you hit on that. Yeah. So obviously, you know, I think a lot of us tend to live and die by the scale when it comes to weight loss and a, a weight journey, but that is literally just one tool in the toolkit. And so that's something that I have had to really um, keep in mind as well, because, you know, your weight loss most people's weight loss journeys is not just, you know, a smooth path downward. It's going to fluctuate up and down. And, and when that happens, you might feel discouraged um, and feel like, gosh, I'm just going to give up. But I think if you can track different ways of, of watching your progress, I think that's really important because then you can go back and look. So one of the things that I did when I started this was I took before photos um, and I you know, take photos regularly throughout this process. Um, I also took measurements. I actually didn't do that until about three weeks in, but I'm glad that I did it, you know, so soon afterward. And I know that that can be daunting as well, because 
in the beginning, if you're in a place where you don't feel comfortable with your body and you're trying to lose weight, you may not want to know that information, but really just look at it as data, right? Because it's something that you can go back and reflect on later. Don't attach an emotion to whatever number you see on the scale or on that tape measure, just use it as data. And that's always much more easy. It's always easier said than done. And I feel that way too. That's one of the reasons I don't choose to weigh every single day is because of that emotional attachment I have to the scale. And for me, it's easier to just step away from it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But when it comes to these non-scale victories and non-scale ways to track your progress, this uh, measurements, photos, even BMI, you know, that's again, not like the most perfect, um, tool, but it's just a tool. And so then you can go back and look at that. So for me throughout this process, even if there were times where, you know, on this day, my weight had trended up in the moment, I could measure my waist or measure my thighs or, you know, all the different markers that I have measured throughout the process and see, gosh, I have lost X many inches. And so I think you can see those different points. And then again, with the weight loss, for instance, If there's a time or a phase throughout your journey where the weight is stagnant, even with body recomposition, your body could be shrinking, even if your weight is staying the same. And so that's a thing you would only know if you're tracking your measurements. Um, Or you could look at photos of you wearing the same clothes over time and see how those clothes are fitting you differently or your clothing size is changing. And also just factoring in all these other things like more energy how you feel, um, hitting a fasting goal, um, blood work. We talked about that. Um, even the impact of intermittent fasting on those health markers or increasing physical activity, all of those are changes that are happening. And if we're only looking at the scale, we're ignoring 99% of everything else that we can say, gosh, look at how things have changed, you know? Very much so. One of the markers I love using, as I imagine most people do too, is how your clothes fit. Just yes, how your exactly. clothes fit. That's yeah. really, honestly, a telltale sign. If like jeans start fitting you better that didn't fit so well three, four or five weeks ago and the scale's still the same. Well, maybe you've put on some muscle if you're going to the gym or, you know, maybe you drink a lot of water or whatever, you know, like there's different things that can affect the scale. But if your clothes are fitting better, there's your telltale sign right there. Who doesn't like to fit better in their clothes? Exactly. And then over time, I mean, for me in this journey, because obviously we talked about the fact that I've lost, you know, a pretty significant amount of weight. I mean, my clothing size has dropped dramatically. And that, you know, is for me such a personal victory. And it has nothing to do with the scale, but to look at my, the label inside my clothes and see a different, you know, um, size there than used to be there and see that progression downward as well is so gratifying. And so, yeah, I think that's, you don't have to use just one tool and then live and die by it and say, gosh, that number is, you know, not something that makes me feel good today. Then I'm just going to give up. I mean, we'd be in a bad place if that's how we looked at a lot of other things in our lives. Right. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I think we've all stepped on a scale and seen the number we don't want. The key, I guess, would to be is to one, yeah, not let that discourage you, but to find a way to use that for inspiration and motivation at the end of the day, just kind of use that as a positive to say, okay, okay, this is where I'm at. And this is how I'm going to make the changes to get this to where I want this to go. Instead of saying, God damn, how did I let myself get here? You know, I, and then feeling depressed because of that. Well, the whole reason that you're starting to uh, uh, intermittent fasting and trying to lose weight is because of where you're at and just don't let it get worse. Okay. Okay. This is the worst it's going to be. And from here on out, I'm making the change because of this 
and use that as inspiration and motivation to keep pushing you every day. And I think honestly, that helps when it be, when it comes to like, you know, I have two hours left before I, I really want to kind of want to eat something. Just remember that visual on the scale and how you felt like saying, damn it, I'm not going to let this get any worse. You know, it's just try to find a way to use that as motivation and inspiration to keep pushing through when you don't want to. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think too, another thing to keep in mind is that just like we've talked about with intermittent fasting and your eating windows and, and the flexibility that comes there, the same thing can be said for how you track your progress. So if for you as an individual, stepping on the scale every day is, is triggering and it doesn't feel good, then don't do it. Um, but if for you, stepping on the scale every day and tracking that data is something that you can disassociate with a negative emotion and just mm -hmm. use those numbers as a tool then you can do that, you know? And so I've heard of lots of different people who have done it in different ways. I personally didn't step on the scale every single day during my journey, but I've heard other people that have been successful in weighing every single day, tracking that data, and then calculating a weekly average to, to watch the trend. Or there's apps out there where you can stick in your weight and it calculates your, your average dropping for you. And so I think it's a matter of figuring out what works for you. And so not making it kind of a painful process, making it as painless as possible and something that you can continue doing every day. Because if I woke up and felt like crap every single day because I stepped on that scale, I'd probably be a lot less likely to have continued on and, and push forward and then been at the point where I'm at now. So I think not feeling like you have to do it a certain way that you can be flexible in what works for you. Yeah. I certainly couldn't, I could not personally step on a scale every day because there would be a thousand days where it's like, I ate really well yesterday. I'm excited to step on the scale. And then it's more than what you thought. You're like, well, what the hell? I ate really well. And it's probably a factor that has nothing to do with anything that you did. You know, so I don't want to be discouraged when I'm trying to do well and the scale didn't move the way I wanted it to. So, so I was like, I'll stay away from that every two to three to four weeks. I'll step on it. Cause that's just like a, you know, a grand total of what I've been doing the last few weeks, other than just some outside factors playing a role. And, you know, I drank a gallon, gallon of water yesterday and right. that really screwed up my weight. So forget it. And uh, just a, a simple, a really simple rule that everyone probably knows or should know is use the same scale. Because yes, 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 yes. <laughs> yeah, if you're, if you're weighing yourself at home and then going to some gym scale that, you know, a thousand people step on every day. It's somewhat broken or whatever. Like, yeah, those few pounds may be off and then, you know, it totally screws you the mindset. So just use the same scale every day. So you know what you're reading is actually true. Yeah. For me too, I always make sure to weigh at the same time and in the same condition. So when I weigh, it's always in the mornings when I've woken up, I've gone to the bathroom and then I step on that scale usually without not usually always without any clothes on so that my standard is always the same that I'm comparing apples to apples. And honestly, like when I go to the doctor next month, I'm not going to even, I'm going to tell them, I don't even want to know the number here because when I walk in there and I've already drank half a gallon of water and I'm wearing clothes, that number is not going to, that's going to be oranges. So I'm yeah. not going to compare that number to the apples that I, that I weigh at home. Different scale, sneakers, shoes, boots, yeah. clothes, yeah. You know, the, all that stuff does weigh you know, a few pounds. So yeah. yeah, that would really throw you off and yeah, it's not worth knowing. So that's a, that's a really good call. Um, all right. So we've ripped through your seven questions. Is there anything else that you can think of that you would like to hit on? 
Um, I think just kind of maybe going back to to the group, right? In my group, the name, uh, you know, the the what I have in there is encouragement, and I think to find support um, in whatever that looks like for you, whether it's an online community or whether it's your significant other or whether it's a friend or an accountability partner or you know, someone you see at the gym or whatever the case may be, a colleague to have that support and not feel like you're in this alone. Because when things are going well on a weight loss journey or even a weight maintenance journey, you know, it's a lot easier to, to keep up your spirits and do that by yourself. But then when you hit roadblocks, it's a lot harder to work through those without having that support there. And I've personally found that having a group of like-minded people around me who are encouraging and motivating and supportive and being able to feed off of that energy has been really great for me. And maybe you can do it all on your own. And, and if you can, kudos to you. But if you want motivation and encouragement and positivity to seek that out, because, you know, we're talking about a lot of, you know, on paper, you could say, well, I'm doing everything right. But mindset is a big part of this. You know, the physical side is one thing. And the mental game is a whole nother thing. And so for me, that's been a huge part of my journey is making sure that I am in the right mindset in the, the right headspace to, to be successful and to cheer myself on and to cheer on others and to be motivated by their success as well. And that keeps me going personally. Yeah. And also, I feel like it also helps with accountability and accountability is, is, you know, almost everything to me when it comes to like losing weight or sticking to a plan mm -hmm. is, uh, you know, maybe you can partner up with a few people in there. Maybe they have the fitness tracker that you do and you can kind of compete with each other and have fun with that. Um, you know, what, if you can put a positive spin on this and make it fun and make it a lifestyle, you're likely to succeed. You know, if once you start looking at it negatively or thinking, oh, God, I got to do this again or whatever, that's when you're going to run into issues. So when you do have the positivity of your group and people encouraging each other and keeping each other accountable and answering questions, so many people are going to succeed because of that. And I think that's awesome. You have over 10,000 now. I can't wait to see how much this grows to. Um, I can't wait to talk to you again in the future. I'm sure we'll do this again with more updates more answers to questions that you get constantly. You're going to have probably 20, 30, 40, 50,000 people by then. Yeah, <laughs> that would be something. That would be something. I will say though, the fact that when we talked six months ago, you had brought up during that interview, like, Hey, let's catch up in six months time. Even that was something of an accountability for me mm. because it was like, okay, you know, six months from now, I better not be where I was six months ago. Right. Um, and so that's really kept me on track. And two, you know, in terms of the group, you know, if a group of 10,000 people sounds really daunting and it, and it may, even for me, I, I run the group and it sounds daunting, form your own group, right? Yeah. Like, you know, bring together just your family and friends, have a group text, you know, whatever, whatever tools work for you to keep you accountable and keep you motivated, figure that out. Because I think that that's where probably is the, the easiest way to, to slip off is like you said, if, if no one knows you're doing it, it's a lot easier to just stop doing it. But if you have someone there cheering you on, um, you can, you can really lift each other up. Um, but in the group, if you are in a larger setting, like our group, there is a way to post anonymously. So if you mm -hmm. don't want your face and name attached to questions or concerns you may have, you can do that too. And maybe that makes you feel a bit safer to put out a question there, but not have your face or name on social media attached to it, which is kind of nice as well. 
And then I say this too, is we did answer a lot of questions here, but at the same time, there are times I log into Facebook and I see a notification from your group. Someone does ask a completely like legit question I've never thought of too. And I love yeah. to see people respond. Like I've been doing intermittent fasting for years now. It doesn't mean I know everything about it. And so there are questions that case you like, I, I never thought of that. That's a great question. So yeah. there's great questions, great conversation. And uh, yeah, a lot of accountability, a lot of positive vibes, positive thoughts, everyone cheering for each other. No one's putting each other down. Um, it's just, it's a great atmosphere, if you will, to be in. Um, yeah. And congratulations on signing that up too. That's uh, wow. I mean, think about it for a second. Like one, you've accomplished what you've accomplished for your own personal health. Just think of how many thousands of people you've actually helped make their personal health that much better. Now they're going to live longer, happier, healthier lives. That's, I, I mean, Jesus, like I I'm doing this podcast and I hope that I'm able to do the same. Um, you're seeing it in real time every day, people joining yeah. your group and posting about it. Um, geez, that, that's so wonderful. And, uh, knowing I can somewhat help contribute to that. And I know you're going to probably post this in your group and have people listen to that. I'm glad just to contribute somewhat. Um, that's, that's just gotta be an amazing feeling knowing that yeah. you didn't just help yourself, but you're helping thousands of people live better lives. That's awesome. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And it really is just astounding to me to see the progress of some of the people in this group. Um, you know, they have been sharing their stories and said, well, I started intermittent fasting, you know, Three months ago, six months ago, whatever the case may be. And there are um, so many people that have just really changed their lives, shed a lot of weight. And it's incredible to hear about their journeys and how their health and lives have changed. Um, and yeah, it's really fulfilling, you know, and I think what's interesting about all of this, because unfortunately in this day and age, it seems like a lot of people think that the only way to lose weight is to um, join some sort of structured setting where likely you have to pay money <laughs> to be successful. And that intermittent fasting is literally just a way of life that is totally free. And it just has to do with when you're consuming stuff and, and we all eat food every day, but when mm -hmm. you're eating that food, that sort of thing. And so that, you know, it's, it's free. <laughs> I mean, right. That part I think is mind boggling for a lot of people that this isn't some program or structured thing that you join and, and pay into and that sort of thing, that it's just a way of life. And I love watching people succeed on it. And there's plenty of people in the group too, that don't do intermittent fasting and have found their own success with weight loss or weight maintenance, or they're just there for the positivity and encouragement. And they haven't even um, started any sort of journey and that that's okay too. Um, that this is not just about intermittent fasting, but for me personally, it has changed my life. And I love having a place where I can interact with others and see how they are succeeding as well in whatever they're doing to live longer and healthier lives, whatever that looks like for them. And, uh, something that just came to my mind too, is, um, us recording this in September, the holidays are coming up. So yeah. I almost kind of want to have you back on at some point again in the near future to talk about that. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of temptations coming um, mm -hmm. and you can still enjoy a lot of those. Keep it within I your guess. window if you can, yeah. you know, just uh, I know those cookies are coming up Thanksgiving, the pumpkin pies. Trust me, I'm eating that. But uh, if you can find a way to keep that in your window, you'll enjoy the holidays a hell of a lot more. Um, you're not going to put on the weight that a lot of people put on or just so much food and parties and, you know, people yeah. all around and drinks. And it's, it's hard to say no to all of that. And you don't necessarily have to, 
just eat it within your window, make that window, make, make all those treats and delicious cookies and meals and everything within your window and you'll be okay. Yeah. I know last year I was, you know, only a few months into intermittent fasting at the time when Thanksgiving and Christmas rolled around and I cooked our Thanksgiving meal last year without tasting anything. I was fully fasted the whole time. And I think I did a 20 hour fast on Thanksgiving. And then when I opened my window, I enjoyed every single thing we had made. And I was, you know, probably hit that point of being oversatiated, but that's okay with the holiday. I made that choice and I enjoyed it all. I had everything. I had an incredible dessert as well. And it was awesome. So I was able to fast and able to not feel deprived. I can't tell you how many holidays in previous years where I've gone to, you know, a family potluck. And I said, well, half of this stuff I can't eat quote unquote, because I'm on an X diet. Mm -hmm. And now with this lifestyle, I don't feel that deprivation, but I still like can fast for, you know, 16, 18, 20 hours and feel that success and then be able to enjoy that holiday meal. And I'm not eating like that every single day, right? None of us are eating a Thanksgiving meal every single day. So enjoy it, right? It's one day. And something I'm just thinking of too, is something, you know, to consider is like, maybe you just don't fast on Thanksgiving, but maybe you make the promise to yourself on November 1st, I'm going to kill it with my intermittent fasting until Thanksgiving comes, then I'm going to really enjoy that day. And, you know, you'll probably end up seeing the benefits for the first three weeks. And then you really get to enjoy Thanksgiving and then pick it up again and maybe do the same thing for for December and Christmas. So there's different ways you can handle that. Right. And ultimately too, I mean, I think the, the one thing you have to remember is like, when you're sleeping, you're fasting. So even if on Thanksgiving you eat from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed, you still technically fasted. It was just a much shorter fasting window that day and a much longer eating window that day. And that you can be flexible with your fasting. And so that there's not a, you know, wagging you're falling off of and and feeling like you made quote bad choices that, you know, all of that verbiage and that emotional baggage that comes with that negative self-talk surrounding food can go like push that in the past and move forward. And I think that for me has made, it has been like an aha moment of saying, if I talk to myself like that, I'm going to believe that. And that is not going to be a positive direction that I have to have that positive self-talk and think about food and my choices and when I eat and how I eat and how much I eat in a positive way. Absolutely. I couldn't have said it any better. And Erica, you know, you're welcome back anytime you want. Thank you. Anytime. So if there's any updates or any, any information that you want to give, please just let me know. I'll have you on whenever you want. Okay. Um, before we wrap Good. this up, is there anything that you would like to promote anything that you're doing or your group is doing in the foreseeable future? I don't think so. I just want to, you know, invite anyone who who wants a space and doesn't have one in their lives to come on in. You know, a lot of us obviously started as strangers, but we have grown to be uh, to be friends. And there's lots of different things you can do in the group. You can just kind of um, be a fly on the wall and watch it. You can be active in the group. We do monthly weight loss challenges. We do monthly step activity challenges along with weekly challenges when it comes to uh, the steps. And so there are ways to be actively involved and post all the time and, and chat with people, or you can just kind of be there and see the post show up in your newsfeed and, and be motivated in that way. So if you're looking for a space, we're open to anyone who wants to be there. Um, if you want to create your own space, whatever the case may be, I think I'm just all for encouraging people to find what works for them and yeah, just kind of keep on keeping on. And for one last final time, how do people join your group again? 
Sure. It's just called Erica's Essential Encouragement on Facebook, Erica with a K. And uh, you'll see my photo pop up there. And there are some questions to answer to join the group, just as kind of like a way to weed out any, you know, bots on Facebook and that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a space that we'd love to have you come in and, and join. But you definitely don't have to. And if you find success in another way, I'm all for cheering you on in whatever works for you. That's awesome. Erica, it's been a pleasure, just like last time. So Thank much you. great, valuable information. As I mentioned, you're welcome back on anytime. I know you have quite the fan base. It's probably really <laughs> excited to hear this. So Erica, once again, thank you so much. And uh, I'm sure we'll be chatting very soon. Sounds good. Thank you, Ryan. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you so much, Erica, for coming back on my podcast to go over your one year weight loss journey with intermittent fasting. That was truly incredible. So much amazing information and so much information to help so many people. I love it. I love when my platform can be used for situations like that. And thank you once again, all for listening to this episode. Please subscribe, leave a review and be on the lookout for even more amazing episodes coming your way. So once again, thanks again for listening to the Pursuit of Happiness podcast.